Hi everyone, welcome to the Bible Project Podcast and we're in episode 178 of our amazing journey, hopefully through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And this is part 109 of season 2, we're working together through the book of Genesis and I've called today's short message, short study, one plus the Lord always equals victory and we'll be covering the text in Genesis chapter 14 verse 5 to 17. So we'll dive straight in because we have quite a bit of text to get through today and we're picking up the story in verse 5 where we're given the route of the four Babylonian kings as they invade Palestine. So picking up at verse 5 it says this, In the fourteenth year, Keo de Lomar and the kings allied with him went out and defeated the Raphaites in Ashtaroth Kernem, the Zuzites in Ham, the Emites in Shiva Kirathem, and the Horites in the hill country of Seir, as far as El Paran near the desert. They turned back and went to En Mizpah, that is Kadesh, and they conquered the whole territory or territory of the Amalekites, as well as the Amorites, who were living in Hazion Tamar. So these verses tell us that these four kings go directly out to the five cities, but first of all, they pick off the neighbours before going on to engage the five main cities, because they didn't want the neighbours taking advantage of this situation. So the text then continues in verse 8 and says this, then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Admah, the king of Zephoim, and the king of Bela, that is Zor, marched out and drew battle lines in the valley of Sidon against Caodilimar, king of Edom, Tidal, king of Goem, Arafel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Elishar. Four kings against five there. Now the valley of Sidon was full of tar pits, and when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of the men fell into them, and the rest fled to the hills. The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah, and all their food, and they went away. They also carried off Abraham's nephew Lot and his possessions, since he was living in Sodom. So, beginning in verse 8, we are basically told that they engaged in a battle, and that the five kings probably assumed that they weren't going to get conquered by this lesser army of four kings. They probably really thought they had the numerical advantage. But we see that once the battle begins, it's the four kings who win, and the five king army and their armies are fleeing the battlefield, and some get bogged down in tar pits. So the five kings are not just declared, seem to be defeated, they're utterly defeated in a horrible and catastrophic way. Someone once said it seemed to be poetic justice because Sodom and Gomorrah were vile and filthy in the way they lived and now die in a vile and filthy way also. But did you notice that the victorious kings also seize Lot? And now we see, have seen that he must have been living in Sodom and they, the, 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 the victorious kings, they seize him and his goods and they depart. So they take Lot and we might, and we can assume his entire family to make slaves of them. 
Lot is captured by the winning armies and Abraham now has the job to go off and try and rescue him. And that's what the rest of this chapter will be about. So the next part of the passage that I'll read is the second part, which tells us about the intervention of Abraham. So picking up at the text in verse 13, it says this. A man who had escaped from and reported this to Abraham, the Hebrew. Now Abraham was living near the great trees of Mamre, the Amoite, a brother of Eshcol and Aner, all of whom were allied with Abram. Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, and he called out the 318 men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abraham divided his men to attack them, and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions, together with the woman and the other people. After Abraham returned from defeating Caodilomer and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Sheba, that is the king's valley. Now, I did say at the beginning uh, a few of this sort of section of scripture a few uh, bit back, a couple of chapters back, that some of the events in these scriptures uh, really challenge the modern mindset. Now, the result that is considered good here, the one where we see the rout of the armies of Sodom and Gomorrah, from an Old Testament perspective, are portrayed as a good thing. So we can certainly say that something considered good isn't portrayed or can anyway be represented as a sort of weakness or an inability to fight. It's a, it's a sort of strength that we see here that it, it enables Abraham, when he finds out that his, his nephew has been kidnapped in this terrible war, it enables him to have the presence of mind and the strength to mount and arm a team of just over 300 people and literally go probably to hell and back to try and rescue him. Now, this is a sort of a, a real strength, isn't it? It's not something that would line up equally with the word meekness as often described and used to characterize the Christian faith. There is that great line in the New Testament, the meek shall inherit of the earth, and it's in the Sermon on the Mount. And whatever is going on here doesn't really, to the modern mind sense, seem to have an, an attitude of meekness. But you may remember that when I referenced the story of Noah, back, I spent a lot of time considering what this word meekness meant when used in the Old Testament. Because I think, I, I sort of feel that our natural reaction to think about people being meek, meek is that we meek people will get walked over. So I spent a lot of time looking at commentaries and looking at both the Greek and the Hebrew roots of the word meek as it appears in the New Testament and in the words of Christ, to try and figure out what's really going on here when you set aside events like this in the whole Testament. So what I discovered was that meek does not mean meek in the modern sense that we have it. It's completely wrong. Meekness as displayed in the words of Christ and in the teaching of the New Testament epistles is about having strength under control. Those who have a spiritual strength, but know how to use it by keeping in a sense their power sheathed. And it's those people, it says, will inherit the earth. And that's a very different idea of the idea of meekness. James, when talking about it, talks about a bridle in a horse's mouth as 
something that is restraining an amazing amount of strength and power. So it's strength under control. So the normal idea of, of Christians or even Jesus himself being meek and mild, and that you take that attitude to like things will go well for you. I don't believe that's the right perspective here at all. That doesn't fit with the reality of the life of most people on this earth. And it certainly doesn't fit with the biblical narrative here. So verse, verse 13 tells us that when uh, someone escapes from this situation and they go across and they find Abraham and they tell him what has happened. And they, they, it says they tell Abraham and then it says Abraham the Hebrew what has happened. Now this is interesting because this is, this is the first time the word Hebrew appears in the Bible. Remember, Abraham is a Hebrew because he's descended from Eber. And another thing is that might grab your attention is the fact that he, uh, he is armed with only 318 men, and yet he still goes off in pursuit of Lot against these two armies, large armies who've just been victorious. It also says he went by night and that the enemy fo forces had just conquered these cities. So some historians have pointed out the fact that that meant that the enemy armies would have been loaded down with plunder and they were also heading home having had their victory so the last thing they would have expected would have been for someone to attack them particularly at night one commentary i, I read said the soldiers were probably drunk because they were celebrating and the last thing they would have been expected would have been a stealth attack by night but this will not be the only time in the bible that we will see a large army defeated by god's anointed people the story of Gideon in the book of Judges will be just as dramatic as this. So there are lessons here and I think the lessons are clear. God is able to give a trusting and obedient minority of people great victories over large ungodly forces, even over situations where they feel there, there is an overwhelming superiority in numbers lining up against them. As someone once said, which I think is a beautiful way of summarizing this, one plus the Lord will always be a majority in every situation. So here we see Abraham go and rescue Lot. And verse 16 tells us that he not only rescues Lot, but he, that he brings him back and all his goods and all his relatives with him as well. Then Abraham chases the invaders all the way back up to Hobah, which is north of Damascus, which is in modern day Syria. So, so far we've looked at two things in this chapter. First of all, an invasion and a battle and the, and the taking of Lot and then Abraham's, in, Abraham's intervention into that situation. But I have one more thing to say about this situation. And well, we'll do that next time when we return. So thanks for joining me and I'll see you hopefully back here again very soon. Bye-bye for now.